Where are we going? Detour! The center of the TARDIS. Welcome to TARDIS Talk, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things Doctor Who. This week we join the Doctor and Clara as they journey to the centre of the TARDIS. And with me on this transcendental adventure, it's Matt, Cook and Sai's back this week. Welcome back, Sai. Good evening, thank you very much. We found are... you, we'd missed you. <laughs> oh, thank you, I missed you too. I can't remember, what, what did we do last week? It's gone. What, what did we do? What did we review? We did... Oh, we signed up with the Daleks, didn't we? Yes, Chris, we did a sign with the Daleks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for chipping in. Wakey, wakey, fucking wakey. Jesus. Just like to make you doubt the reality. It's all about <laughs> Good God, I thought I was on my home for a minute then. Um, yeah, we did a sign last week. So, uh, of course, this week we're going to be doing Journey. Um, I take it you listened, Sai, to last week's yeah. review. Yeah, good man. Yeah, I've agreed with everything I said. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> naturally, naturally. So, yeah, so this week we're going to do um, Journey. It was my choice, basically, this week. Of course, over the past sort of four weeks, we've kind of each chosen an episode we really wanted to go over and i decided to go over journey to the center of the tardis not actually thinking about the fact that this episode is in the same season as last week so that's going to be an interesting talking point for today but before we do that let's of course jump into who in the news um pretty quiet really and yeah they confirmed um they confirmed the bbc confirmed that whitaker's finale will definitely air during october as if that wasn't already known um they had a press conference, didn't they? Just to basically talk a little bit about the BBC Centenary and all the things they were doing for it. And, uh, and yeah, they basically just said, yep, we're going to be airing uh, the Centenary special during <laughs> during October. It's like, okay, do we get a title? No. Do we get a trailer? No. Do we get a date? No. <laughs> so uh, Negotiating with the toddler. Yeah, basically. Marketing's on form for, for this. I can't wait for this era to be over. I just got to get, get that out there. I can't wait for this era to be over just because it's been handled so badly in terms of the marketing and stuff for it. It's just... I'm yeah. sure it was a little bit more... Well, a lot more advanced. Like, I don't know, seasons gone by in New Who. Yeah, oh, sure definitely, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, by a vast, vast well, margin. Well, the, I mean, we'd have series trailers in the Christmas specials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so. Christ knows what they're playing. Yeah, but, I know. You know. It's just like, they, they stop, do. stop. Like we talk about sort of like just before the advertising for Flux um, again, it was very much a case of some really good ideas, but they were so quiet and so poorly executed. Like yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. trying to drum up excitement. Actually, yeah. there are clearly some good ideas out there. Just need more of them in a more visual way. Yeah, well, that's it, really, isn't it? Um, they just, they just, yeah, they, they, they keep missing the mark with it, which is very unfortunate. But let's not let's not dwell on that. Exciting times ahead, of course, because it looks like. Uh, all we're getting promotional content for at the moment, not even promotional, but just you know, kind of news about is the 60th, which isn't even until next year at this point. And, then, and even then, Shooty Gatwa's first sort of debut series, which is going to start filming in a couple of months now, which is weird to say. Um, no official news either on, um, oh goodness me, I can't remember her name, Rose Ailing Ellis, is it? I can't remember her name, but it's the actor. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the actor who was in EastEnders and won Strictly, so she's been obviously kind of touted for it on multiple sources now, which sounds potential so i guess we'd expect to cast an announcement on that at some point in the near future uh, but yeah there hasn't been really been any other news is there um it's been diddly squat no i know which, which sucks really i did pick up um big finishes new latest gallifrey series this week um uh time war um so gallifrey war room uh which picks up sort of around the year of 
the the time lords and Rasalon's ascent plan for ascension and all that business pretty good so far i've only listened to the first episode but it's, it's, it's pretty good um apart from that yeah now it's been relatively quiet on the Hoovian front lately so so i guess without further ado let's let's jump into this week's review then i guess um yeah journey to the center of the tardis uh a quick show of hands well audible show of hands uh did we enjoy all at once yeah you're now yeah, yeah. Right, good. I'm putting my hand up. He's putting his hand. <laughs> so it's a great, it's a great episode. I think there's some really clever things in it. Um, but sort of watching this, I feel conflicted by it, um, and I'll explain that. So going through through the review, um, I kind of like explain why. I think, but wasn't it, someone correct me if I'm wrong in saying this? But I'm fairly certain that um, this story was was. Uh, Stephen Moffat basically said to Stephen Thompson, who wrote this, um, they both really disliked the way that the TARDIS interior was portrayed in Invasion of Time, uh, Tom Baker's story back in the 70s. Uh, they thought it was just really, really crap and really poor. So they wanted to basically kind of like imagine the dream TARDIS that we would expect to see on the inside. And I don't really feel like that was put pulled off that well, <laughs> if I'm being honest. No, this is something I was going to raise. It it very briefly shows a couple of rooms, and the rest of it is just corridor. And they look really badly yeah. green screened as well, don't they? Some of those some yeah. of those rooms, yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, then let's just talk about about the plot super quick because even though it's kind of like when you get to the end and the payoff and there's a big reveal about you know big friendly button and all that sort of stuff, it is a very messy plot. And I don't know whether that, I can't. I still to this day I've watched this episode countless times. I can't work out whether it's intentional. But you basically got like three or four threads going on all at once with a lot of questions being asked and you're constantly having easter eggs and lore thrown at you and it's a real challenge to keep up i don't think you can kind of take everything on first viewing with the story it, it just feels monumental in terms of the content that's sort of flowing it towards you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of fan service and a lot of callbacks and it does take a Either pause a bit and rewind, or watch the whole thing a few times. I think to yeah. absorb it. Yeah, definitely. No, I didn't think it was that complicated, or have a lot that much going on. Do you know? I, I think it's got a lot of elements in it, and some yeah. which I'll do my usual thing of going, "Well, that was pointless. Let's pull that out." But <laughs> it, I wouldn't say it was convoluted, but it is messy. Well, I'm not saying it's complicated or convoluted by any stretch, but you're right. I, I'm saying it's purely messy because you, the, let's look at the threads. Then basically, you've got you've got the Tardis going to explode that's like the big the big thread in this um you've you've got clara's mystery being woven into this quite heavily at this point you know we're we're coming towards the the uh crux of who is clara and why is she constantly cropping up in the doctor's timeline so that's kind of like a question that gets raised as a as a key point in this um you then got the whole kind of like van balen brothers sibling abuse thing going on which is a very very weird sort of thing to happen in this um and then throughout the story you've got this mystery of why does the Doctor keep monsters on board the TARDIS and what are they type thing? And then, as I said before, you kind of also got these kind of things where they're just throwing Easter eggs at you, left, right and centre. And as a Hoovian, you're kind of like keeping up with the story and trying to work stuff out from a plot perspective. But you're also like, oh, did they just say this? And did they just say that? And was that this? And was that that? And you, it is, it to me, it feels like a bit of a hot mess in that way. It pays off well, though, I think. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm fair in saying that. Well, throw your thoughts at me. What, what, what were we thinking? Say it was, I wouldn't say it was a hot mess. It's just there's a lot of there's so much bits and pieces packed into a small amount of time. So you, as I said, you, 
you're best off just going backwards and forwards. But um, yeah, there is a lot to to absorb in it. I think. Mm, Matt, what are you going to say? Uh, I was going to add it. I think I'm trying to think about best way of phrasing it because I think that there's a lot of interesting concepts you can do at the TARDIS and actually there is mm. a lot like I said a lot of components in there which um, some are better than others and some could definitely be taken out yeah. and I think it does some things quite well like a lot of the a lot of the rooms where it's a little bit more interactive and you know they're physically present in it and it's not just uh, background shots with Clara twirling away in front of them mm-hmm. um, I think it done so did you say twerking well. Twirling. Okay. <laughs> it was like Clara twerking, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And I, I think there's there's some interesting areas to explore this, and I think you know the whole past and future bleeding into each other again. Another interesting element to explore. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily think that they explored it right because one yeah. of the things that I was, uh, I I made a note of here, which I thought would be a cool idea because they had the opportunity to do so is because we even though it was extraordinarily briefly we had governess clara on the tardis so a conversation between governess and current clara would have been fantastic mm. and that they again, had an opportunity yeah. to go what they you know who and what the hell are you because they were going to raise the timeline anyway so it doesn't matter yeah yeah i always found that relatively confusing Especially as well as they brought it up at the end yeah i know right yeah well, well i don't think it was actually it was the end of crimson horror i'm mixing my stories up but um she gets home at the end of crimson horror and they show a photo of her in of uh, Victorian Clara. Do they? I don't remember that. The kids, yeah, they find a bunch of photos of her from the past. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, I do not recall that in the slightest. Oh, no, you are correct because it's the one she doesn't recognise, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, then. I mean, I, I don't know. I just... This is the story where I think I think the key hang-up that I've got with this is that it just doesn't make the best use of the TARDIS. Yeah, again, you know, um, we're meant to kind of see the, the interior of this fantastical vessel and yet it's relegated to corridor chases. Um, and then a lot of like hanging plot up until that closing act. And then everything's kind of like info dumped in one fell swoop. Um, yeah. And, like, I, and I I appreciate, so one of the bits I, you know, like I said, sort of the interactable rooms, you know, the stuff that are in it is a little bit more beneficial, but I agree with you, it is a lot of corridors and it's a shame because because of the nature of how they sort of set up what they want to do with the TARDIS and it can it can be almost anything. Yeah. They could have had the sets be anything. Yeah, yeah. They didn't, ha- they didn't have to green screen the background. They didn't have to, uh, to keep it inside corridors. Mm-hmm. They could have literally gone, can we rent out this, I don't know, can we rent your swimming pool to Rooks of a couple of shoots oh. can we rent this part of the library? They could have done anything. That's an interesting way. point that you're making that though, because basically with the invasion of time, the big kind of like thing that pissed people off with that was they just filmed in an old abandoned hospital, an industrial facility. And it looked it looked like it was a hospital and an industrial facility. It didn't look. But this is what I mean. If they put the time and the thought into it, they could have gone and scouted some proper locations. But it mm. could have been disconnected interiors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of made a bit more a bit more use of it. Cause... Absolutely. Can you imagine big grand marble library for argument's sake, which yeah. is a library in this scenario? And then almost like the bit, you know, the one thing they do quite well in the scene is you know she flicks open the giant wooden door and goes into a warehouse, doesn't she? And you could have had something like that and still. Mm gotten away with it yeah yeah very true i think even like like for example look at the wardrobe scene from the christmas invasion when the teletox is getting changed and you see this kind of like uh, just very alien-esque sort of scene with like twirling coral moving up a, like a, a, a oh, yeah. helical spiral in the middle and there's like clothes everywhere and multi-levels and stuff like that 
that's that what the TARDIS should look yeah. like. Yeah, but it was like a, like the briefest, briefest second, and then it was gone, and we never see anything like that again. And it's just so disappointing. That interesting. That's the only time we saw a different room in Tenant's TARDIS, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tell you what, though, I for me, I prefer. Um, the Doctor's wife and the interior sequences and the concept of anti-grav and the psychic um, passcodes on the doors and the archived console rooms and stuff like that. I prefer all of that setup to what was delivered in Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Now that you point it out, that was much more of a Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS episode than... Yeah, yeah, that that just... This this was. Yeah, totally. This just feels very much like an opportunity to basically... I mean, let's talk about the plot in terms of how the TARDIS gets in this scrape anyway. So the TARDIS defences are lowered, right? And this salvage ship rocks up and uses its magna grab, which is just basically like outlawed bit of kit. Um, so they're basically like space chippos who are going around with a flatbed truck and they pick up the TARDIS and, and do some damage to it. Um, and... Somehow the Doctor's kind of ejected out of the TARDIS and Clara's trapped in the depths of the TARDIS. And then they have to kind of like navigate their way through the TARDIS to rescue Clara. Um, as a concept, that that seems like a really clever kind of starting off point for a story. I just don't... I, another thing I don't feel like they needed was the whole bollocks with um, with Tricky. And, and why did we need to know? Why did that even need to be a story point? Well, you know, the, the brother's kind of convincing him he was an android and all that crap. Why was that even in there? Yeah, that's one of the... Sorry, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, I didn't really get why they did that, because, I mean, what he said for a laugh, and... But um, then that was it, wasn't it? going to make him captain. It was like, well... It was like they were adding a layer of. It just, it just felt like they were trying to add a layer of, of, of dimension to the characters that otherwise wasn't displayed in any way throughout their characteristics throughout the story. I mean, the other problem I have with them as well is, A, I don't understand the whole tricking him to think he's an android thing, but 100% agree. But also, I don't understand why the Scavenger Brothers were there at all. Oh, what, you mean what what service they had towards the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from the fact that they damaged the ship, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it could have easily been the Doctor lowers the shields to teach Clara how to fly, something goes horribly wrong, it bounces off the vortex or something, and they both get separated, and off it goes to find her. You you could have had pretty much the same plot. It would have been much better if they'd have been antagonists, like pure antagonists. Like, they target the TARDIS specifically because they want to salvage it, they get the TARDIS, and then they force the Doctor and Clara at gunpoint through the TARDIS. That would have made a more logical reason as to why they were there. Because otherwise it's it just... They were just a bunch of wallies, basically, that it... turned up, weren't they? Pretty, pretty much. The town fish, yeah. yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't know whether or not... <laughs> There was I don't know I don't know how many rewrites were done with this particular story or not or whether they they like glanced at it at first draft and were, were pretty happy with it but that that whole kind of thread of the Van Valen brothers um, sort of like and 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 the sibling abuse thing and the you know the fact that they've got this this, this vague character redemption arc uh, where he's got this tiny scrap of decency and all that bollocks it just felt like a thoroughly pointless plot mechanic in there it, you're right Matt it didn't serve any purpose having them in the story. None whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. I, I do agree that they... I mean, I kind of liked watching it play out, this whole thing, but I do agree that in retrospect it is pointless because it just... All it does is serve the viewer the information that these people are absolute cunts. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. That is literally it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Why, not, why not just have them go down the villain route? 
Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it just feels weird. Because before we watched this review, I also said to myself, like, I remember the story. And the one thing that I always remember about the story is that I didn't never really rate it, the time zombies. I was just kind of like, they were confusing and stupid enemy, and I never really saw the point in them. Interestingly, on rewatching this this evening, I actually quite enjoyed them. Um, mm. But having both of those and the salvages in here felt a little odd. It just felt a bit off to me. Uh it felt like it was one too many kind of uh, archetype of character, and I just felt like it was a bit pointless. Go on. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm typically a sponge for Doctor Who information, but even I can't really remember why the time zombies appeared. It's never really clarified. It's They're basically well, echoes of the future. That's what the Doctor says. He's like, they're echoes of the future. They're, they're meant to burn to death in the Eye of Harmony room, aren't they? And then it's meant to be them bleeding back into the past. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. in theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? Which... I mean, that's supposed to be Clara. So why is she going around killing people, or trying to at least? Well, allegedly gone mad as a result of being trapped in the Eye of Harmony, but I don't, you know, this is this is one of those age-old things of Doctor Who where the lore and everything like that is kind of warped ever so slightly to fit the story, which is fair enough. You know, you can't have everything kind of like locked down completely. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just felt weird having that whole kind of like <sighs> that whole stuff there. And the end, the the, the scene at the end where um, I can never remember his name. The Basically, the, the middle brother, who's the, Ashley Walters, who plays the character brilliantly, but I can't remember the name of the character. Um, he, he's got that like glimmer of decency. Van Balen, yeah. Van Balen too. <laughs> he, he's got this glimmer of decency about him at the end, and you think... Oh, lovely! You know he's 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 learned his lesson in that in that suite. You know, scrunch your face up and oh, oh how did he learn his lesson? Because he remembered. Yeah, but he remembered. Don't forget the magic uh. the magic of time. <laughs> I'm talking myself out of liking this story. The, the more we analyse it, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it, and now I'm like, uh, did I? <laughs> yeah, I'm starting starting to pull it apart a little bit. Um, yeah, I just I just. Another aspect then of this story is the is, is the extreme dump of Easter eggs and lore, which is constant. You know, it's literally kind of. Is it from the offset? I don't necessarily think it's from the offset, but there is a ton of it. Um, I tried to keep up with a lot of them as I was going through and watching it, but uh, I got to a point where I was just like, Do you know what, fuck it. There's way too much stuff in here for me to keep up with. Some of the key things are obviously like the scanner reading out the TARDIS system, so like the dynamorphic generators and the you know all those bits and bobs, and then and then you've got the um, reference to living metal, which is Valudium from Silver Nemesis, and you've got the voices as well when um, uh, the oldest Van Balen brothers are ripping apart the console. Um, and you can hear all different doctors and companions from the console room kind of like echoing quotes as time's bleeding. I thought that was a lovely touch. That was quite clever. Yeah. But uh, it, it very much felt like an episode set in a Doctor Who museum, this. Yeah. In terms of fan service, which is always yeah. a nice thing to do. Literally it was, wasn't it? I mean, there's like Encyclopedia Gallifrey. Yeah, yeah. From the yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, especially when she went into that room in this well and found all the bits and bobs like Amy's little paper police box and uh the doctor's cot the doctor's cot uh, sorry what did you just say Pardon? Cot. oh cot right okay yeah the doctor's cot yeah um and... <laughs> yeah there's cot out <laughs> but but yeah i mean like there is all these bits and bobs and you go back and watch them and you're like oh right yeah okay that's that's really cool to have them in there but again didn't drive the story did it it just kind of like no, um... 
and I'm glad you picked on that badly because one of the bits, one of the things I actually written here, which is, you know, if I could may wave my magic wand and change the story I wanted, mm-hmm. um, it could have been still a doctor. Doctor goes into the TARDIS to save Clara's story. You know, in, in my in my head anyway, I've there my, my head of my notes. I've abandoned the Van Balen brothers altogether. But <laughs> it can still be. But go, yeah, exactly. Matt's director's cut. Clara, but, but as they're going through things, you know, he realizes the TARDIS is more damaged than actually actually could be, and he uses components and gadgets and gizmos from episodes past to repair yeah, and get like to the cr- problem of the TARDIS. He's, he's got to basically like, like, like together all the stuff he's collected over the years and you know that that's then your easter eggs that's your fan service exactly. and it solves a problem. Have a purpose for it rather than just because the Doctor actually thinking about it he didn't really get to do shit all in this story apart from run around corridors of the Van Valen brothers telling them how naughty they were. There wasn't really yeah, anything and- practical that he did in this story at all. No. Apart from he suddenly realised at the end looking at Clara's horrifically scarred hand, that he could somehow create a paradox, which we won't get into. Um, but yeah, he could basically get into a create a paradox and, and, and save the day by... Was that big, very badly designed prop? Was that was that the big friendly button? Was that the Magna Grab control, remote control? Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was, he right. Steals it from one of the brothers at the, at the beginning, doesn't he, when they're trying right, unconscious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just chaotic and messy in, in, in respect to that and then you do see these brief glimmers of things like specifically to do with the TARDIS as well you know you see the swimming pool and you see the uh, observatory which looks a lot like the Torchwood uh, mm. uh, observatory um, but I mean, it's, it's not like it would have even had to have been characterless because you could have had the TARDIS leading through like ghosts of old companions in visual form and having the Doctor, you know, lament over them. (laughs) Yeah, stuff like that would have been brilliant. Um, And I can't quite, in my brain, I can't quite work out what they were trying to do in portrayal of the TARDIS as a ship because there were parts in this where, like the fuel rod sequence, where you kind of like understand that it's this mechanical kind of like, like an actual ship. It's got fuel tanks and fuel cells and stuff like that. It's kind of like in parts they're trying to make it feel like this mystical kind of craft, but in other parts they're reducing it to a like you know a cargo ship type. It, yeah, no, it did, it feels weird. It does take away from the whole living creature aspect. Of yeah, it yeah, yeah, bit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I tell you what, I haven't said that though because we're all just slamming it at the moment. I have to give it some praise at some point. I say. Um, I think I think one of the bits that I really enjoyed was the whole um, architectural reconfiguration and the big yeah, kind of I was tree. Just thinking that, yeah. The yeah, design so, of that was stunning. The bit I want to add to that, so this is where I talked about the the rooms which are more interactable. So actually, I quite enjoyed uh, a the architectural reconfiguration room. I think that looks that looks so alien that it gets it away with being something completely yep. out there. Yeah. Um, the other things as well, which um, again, this will be interesting to want to discuss, which I thought was quite good. I quite enjoyed the we'll call it, I'll call it the snarl room as well as the yeah, I've written that down room. here. The snarl, yeah. that con- the, the concept that it gives you, it you know, the TARDIS generates something like I said to snarl to scare something away, yeah. And then when you get to the engine room as well, it's just white. It's the idea of your brain almost can't fill in the gaps of what that should be. So I've got an issue with that scene though. My issue is you've got you're right. You've got this beautiful void of nothingness, and then you've got what looks like a blown apart washing machine frozen in time in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you can see a, you can see a spring and <laughs> yeah. It needed more I don't abstract. Know the word is yeah. It, it needs, needs to be abstract. More of that you can't even comprehend what you're looking at. Just energy, maybe, and like and like 
you're right yeah literally they could have been like Clara the, the, the doctor says to Clara this is a, this is the TARDIS engine she's like yeah but I don't see anything he says exactly a simple line like that would have been fairly clever you know but, but, so it's, but those are all the things which I still think it did particularly compared to the the background rooms we'll call them uh, they did them well I'm not saying they're perfect but they're, yeah. they're the most interesting parts definitely yeah yeah no I completely agree with that but otherwise, for the most part, it was just reduced to these corridor chase sequences. And um, the library was a pretty cool place, though. Cork, you know where that was filmed, don't you? We've spoken about this before. Uh, I have no idea. I can't remember. We, I'm sure we said it was like a like um was it Cardiff or Swansea Town Hall Library or something like that? I'm sure it was like a like a big a big posh library down in Wales somewhere. I'm sure it Not is. Got a clue. Yeah, vaguely rings bells. Not a um, No, but I, I, you know, in terms of like the, the the set dressing for that, as it were, um, it felt a bit on the nose that the Doctor would have a history of the Time War in the library. I felt sticking <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a podium, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I either thought he'd have just binned it, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, he threw away the TARDIS manual for Christ's sake, put it into a black hole. So um, the fact that he's kept the uh, harrowing uh, history of the of the war that he was involved with that he never wanted to be. Well, everybody of. likes to, you know, have a glass of wine and reminisce over genocide. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> a lovely, lovely little trip down the memory lane. Yeah, yeah, quite. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just think there was kind of like a, a lot going on with this in general. The resolution as well. I think we've touched on this. I I don't know if I necessarily am happy with the resolution. It came on very quickly, very suddenly. And I know it was hinted to throughout the story as the scar started to fade onto Clara's hands, you know, the further she went into the story because of the, the time leakage, we'll say in, in air quotes. And then the doctor sees it and he's like, ah, right, actually, yeah. I can see that she's touched the big friendly button at some point in the past, therefore I can stop her. Because doesn't she... The first loop, doesn't she pick it up and press the button? No. She picks it up and it burns her and she drops it. So what's the difference this time round? Does he tell her to push the button? I can't quite remember how it ends up. He goes through the rift himself and tells the Doctor to press the button. But he doesn't have it. Clara's got it. Because she still picks it up at the end. Well, because one of the things he says is he he meant meant to throw it in, but he misses. That's meant to be the line, so it rolls to Clara's feet, whereas this time he passes it straight to to himself, which is a great sentence. But doesn't Clara still pick it up, though, the second time round? I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. Or did we even see it? Because you're right, he does miss, and it rolls along the floor, and I was convinced it lands at Clara's feet, and she goes to pick it up, and then whap, touches it, and then off it goes. I mean, the the stakes they set up in this story, I think there's very other, there's little other ways that they could have resolved it, to be honest, apart from just wiping the slate clean. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I guess that's possibly where I think they maybe over-egged the pudding of it. You know, having it so that the TARDIS is um, going to explode is something that has been troped to death in the Moffat era, isn't it? I suppose. Um so again, harking back to the whole point of the Van Balen brothers and stuff, maybe there was a different way they could have done the story. The, the Van Balen brothers are the aggressors. They just want to basically hijack the TARDIS or whatever. There is no threat of the TARDIS exploding, but the Doctor and Clara have got to resolve the situation. So I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just feels towards the end, whatever sort of thing. And then it's ended that they don't really... Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Plus that's the yeah. speed with which they resolve it as well. It does yeah, feel very much like yeah. turn the dial from one to... Um, to to whatever I guess and then, and then the doctor's like right oh I love your fragile hand problem solved yeah. <laughs> like the shoulder what? shrug and an actual resolution yeah exactly very much so and then at that point as well it's even more a case of 
when uh, Clara when 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 Clara comes in that closing scene and the doctor's like, "Oh right, so we basically had like two days crammed into one. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. Are you happy here? No, yeah, I'm happy here. You, do you feel safe? Oh, I feel safe. Blah, blah, blah. And they go through all that dialogue about whether Clara feels safe. It's just harking back again. Like the the the, the story is then harking back heavily towards the arc of the season, which is who is Clara? Um, who? Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah so from a plot perspective then i think it's fairly fairly clunky in that perspective um you know is there anything you would have wanted to have seen from the tar i know we've spoken heavily about how the tardis is portrayed in this story but is there any anything that you would have wanted to specifically see any any areas in the tardis or any features or anything i've got a major issue with um one thing but i'll let you guys jump in first i heard an intake of breath from someone i don't know who that was uh, well, i was i was going to say something but you go no 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 you first you first well, I was just going to say, we've, I think we've briefly touched on it before, but it was the perfect opportunity to have the TARDIS as the antagonist, and it just got passed up. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. We have mentioned this very briefly in the past, haven't we? Yeah, we said it would be a pretty cool idea to see the, the TARDIS acting as something of a ghost house and basically being kind of malevolent and infected by some sort of virus, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, that'd be a pretty pretty clever twist, actually. I think, no, for me, one of the things, it's not necessarily what I would have wanted to have seen, but less what I didn't want to see was the Eye of Harmony. And it's just yet another example of the the writers uh, just just retrofitting law um, yet again, because the TARDIS has an Eye of Harmony. We've seen it in the TV movie, but it's not in the context that we've seen in this. It's you know, it, it's a link to the Eye of Harmony. It's a link to the Eye of Harmony. It's supposed to be a link to the Eye of Harmony. Yeah. The thing... But, but in this case, we've got an actual sun held in suspended animation in the in the in the depths of the TARDIS, and it's kind of like, well, you know, you've given your fans all of these Easter eggs throughout the story because you're expecting them to know the history of the show. So explain why there is a you know suspended sun inside the TARDIS as opposed to a link, which has been established repeatedly throughout the show's you know previous sort of um, fifty years at this point, because this was the fiftieth year, wasn't it? So you kind of sit there and you think, well, I, I well, at least I sat there like a pedant and thought, well, actually, <laughs> it just didn't sit right with me that, that there was an actual star inside the TARDIS. It felt a bit odd. Um, Maybe that's what they were going for with the whole show the vastness and mystical magicalness of this they, I, grand I'm not, machine. I'm not uh, against the concept of being a star. I think they missed an opportunity by not just saying this is, you know, one of the power sources and then, like you said, explain uh, their law properly a bit more and just say this is like, I don't know, backup generator or, emerge, you know, a little bit more flair, you know what I mean? Because I think actually the concept of having a star suspended in the depths is great. Why did... It would have been quite comedic if they just said, "Yeah, here's our backup generator, and it's just a sun." <laughs> but then, but then, why did the TARDIS need to refuel in Cardiff if if it had a uh, an Eye of Harmony in it already? Shush, <laughs> these are continuity errors that have no place. <laughs> I think the the thing. I think the other things because going back to your previous question as well, Chris, about sort of rooms you'd want to see and how that look. Mm. I just think some more bizarre rooms, like for example, they're all quite. Like tame, <laughs> yeah, they are tame. They're just like they're like you just imagine walking into a nan's living room, basically. In this episode, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how banal this the, a lot of the a lot of the set dressing is in this. Something very akin to kind of like an Escher painting would have would have not gone out of a beat in this story. You know, having stairs at different angles from a different dimensional perspective, so you have got stairs going up and stairs going across yeah. and down. Just even something like that, and, and even even if it's not just for lack of a very screwy architecture, give me a really obscure room. Yeah. Um, you know, something which we know exists and we can always go, oh, yeah, you know, we've, we've heard of that type of thing before. But actually, 
it, it it's not something as plain as this is the observatory, this is the mm. swimming pool, you know, stuff that you would kind of just expect to be down at your local leisure park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's it's one of those things, isn't it, where... This is the roller rink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that, or, oh, look, the ice skating room, you know, something slightly more out there. But, I mean, the, the, like, the, the, the amount of times that they've, they've name-dropped rooms of the TARDIS into the show, you would think that they would reference some of them, like the library and the swimming pool are together. They missed a trick with that. You know, it wouldn't have taken much to have made the bottom floor of that library shot look like a swimming pool. Yeah. That's one of the, Matt Smith's opening things, the fact that he's got a library in his swimming pool. You know, there's a whole joke made around that. Um, yeah, I suppose it's I suppose it's later yeah. on, but 13 also references the rainforests, doesn't she? Yeah. So, I mean, even even little things like that, I get I get the point. They need you to move forward with the story, but 90% of that was them running around corridors shouting at the Van Balen brothers, and that was basically it. Um, you also got, like... It would have been nice to see sort of secondary console room return as well. Even yeah. if it's a different design, all we got was basically just clones of the main, the main console. Yeah, especially with the fact that they actually went into echoes of the console room repeatedly. It would have been nice to have seen an echo of the console room that was just taken from the archives. Um, or, or the other thing I would have accepted, um, which I think is a great idea, is it could have been, and I know it requires work, unfortunately, which is probably why they didn't do it, but the idea of it's still the same console room, but it's wrong that you did got like for example the band the upper the upper balcony could be missing the time road to be coming out part of the wall you know making mm. so it's like it is this it is what you expect it to be but yeah. slightly off well that's what they did that you're right but that's what they did with flux didn't they spoiler alert sorry um in flux the tardis is infected isn't it by flux and it's like the doors are out and the door comes out the floor at one point and then it comes out the wall and there's multiple doors at another point isn't there so they, they, they oh, do chris yeah. you totally ruined it for me. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a, that's a massive plot point. That is. That's a huge plot point. Yeah. yeah, it hinges on that. It does very much so. But I mean, look, there's lots of things that they could have done right with this. I think what we get with it is what we're saying is it was missing potential. It had loads of potential, but it was they didn't really implement it as well as they could have done. Um, I guess that's the roundabout way of doing it. Uh, Just a question. It- is this a filler episode? Was it low budget, and that's why it didn't I don't go all grand? Oh, I don't yeah. think. I don't know. What 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 did we have that was in seven B? We had um, Hyde. Bells of St John, uh, Hyde, Cold War. Cold War, Crimson Horror, Crimson Horror. Is, if it was just if it was just intended to be a filler episode, I don't think we, we wouldn't have, have had the um, we wouldn't have had the shots of the Van Balen ship on the outside. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think there are any filler episodes in series seven. You know, with the exception of the Power of Three. I don't Dinosaurs think there are. Any. On a spaceship is definitely a filler. <sighs> yeah, potentially. But again, no. It, again, like Matt says, it, intro- it introduced um, Brian though. It did, and it also, it also, they had, they, they did throw a lot of money at it because, of course, the definition of a filler episode is where they kind of like reuse a lot of CG and set work and stuff like that, and they don't really have to kind of, you know, spend a lot of budget on it. But I'm, I'm pretty convinced of, all of yeah, these a lot of stories original, isn't it? It's quite because again, this is where he was going for his thingy of the week story, wasn't it? This is where he was very much going for his Stephen Moffat. He was going for his movie of the Saturday Night Week approach, where they had like different themed. Uh, Sort of title sequences and stuff like that. Mm. Posters I don't know. Match as well. And the movie style posters, yeah, they were pretty cool as well, actually. Yeah, I, in fact, when I was um, looking some bits up earlier on this, I came across the poster for it. It's pretty cool. 
It's um, one of the things just to add before we kind of move on to the characters, because spent a hell of a lot of time talking about what's wrong with it. Um, one of the things is that I think because they were kind of like going for a disaster ship angle with this, uh, they did it well with uh, Voyage of the Damned. This really should have gone for more of a Poseidon adventure angle with kind of like the TARDIS for kind of feeling like it was more damaged than it was, if that makes sense. Because the only place that you really see damage is in the co- is is in that opening corridor and the console room, and that's about it. Everything else looks like it. You know, they're just walking around corridor sets. Yeah, the library is pristine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. All point, the yeah. books are still on the shelves. So yeah, <laughs> over the aisle, though. <laughs> I think the the other bit that made laugh where you talk about the damage, though, because I I think I alluded to this in an episode before because they reused the prop, but the bit when we finally see Clara and she's in the depths and she's unconscious and coming to, yeah, she pushes that big old metal grate <laughs> off of her. <laughs> Then she pulls her foot out underneath, and you see the whole pop, the whole um, foam thing just pop, oh, yeah, just yeah. pop up a little bit. And you're like, oh, that's kind of ruined my illusion a little bit. It all looks incredibly light, doesn't it? Like all of that debris looks like it's made of looks looks yeah. like it's made of polystyrene. Well, yeah, but, but you don't put in a whole bunch of effort to watch her unbury herself and then watch it pop up like it's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny that I suppose. Yeah, no, okie dokie. Well, speaking of Clara, then let's talk about the characters quickly. So. I mean, basically, we've got a very, very, very small cast in this one. You've got the Doctor and Clara, uh, you've got the Van Balen brothers, and then you've got the Time Zombies. The only note that I really got for the Doctor is something that kind of... I don't know whether it's a criticism or not, but I don't know where I, where it sits with me. Um, and it, it, it's that the 11th Doctor goes from bumbling in Series 5 to arrogant and manipulative in Series 6 and 7. Um, and to give an example... Uh, the kind of like manipulative side is where he's kind of um, and the arrogant side as well is where he's basically like manipulated the Van Balen brothers into staying in the TARDIS um, and he locks them in there and threatens to blow them up um, and it's that kind of level of presence that he has as opposed to where he's a little bit more kind of madcap in series 5 I, think I agree he's probably a little bit more madcap in season 5 however he's still pretty arrogant and manipulative in season 5 mm, is he? to this I extent? Mean- you want to talk about arrogant? Let's talk about the Pandora open speech. Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. I think I might be clutching at straws for the notes on the Doctor. Is there anything that you guys noticed about him in this particular story? Uh, I mean, he's great in the story. That you know, Matt Smith can do no wrong in my eyes. But yeah, he's a great Doctor, and I think again, his he's used. I think the character itself. So, not talking about Matt Smith's acting, but because he's he's great, and I love him. He's one of my favorite Doctors. Mm-hmm. He's used very, very well at the beginning when, again, they're trying to kick things off, motivate people, when he's talking to the Van Valen brothers, when he goes back into the TARDIS and locks them all in, all grey. And then he kind of feels underused. Yeah, he does. Well, I said it earlier, didn't I? It's, it's, mm. The Doctor does fuck all in this story, apart from but, running around but, and scold people. the beginning, ten, you know, 10 minutes, for lack of a better phrase, he's all over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, very true. He's got presence, and then he is reduced to the part of running around and just bollocking people left, right, and centre. Um which is a shame in some ways, I guess, because, uh, you know, it would have been quite cool to have seen the Doctor kind of have more kind of... I think I think the little scanner gives more information than the Doctor gives during this entire story um, about various bits and bobs. It's almost like the Doctor is kind of keeping um, his cards close to his chest in that he knows what's going on, but he doesn't want to tell anyone. It's, it's quite an irritating trait from a viewer's perspective to be in that position. You know, how they keep how he keeps saying, oh, you know, Clara's like, who are they? What are they? They're talking about the time zombies. And the doctor's like, no, I can't tell you. And he's I mean, like, oh, it's fucking irritating. Yeah. It's possibly that, but with regards to the TARDIS and what's actually wrong with it, it's also possibly trying to get across the fact, I don't know if I'm reading into this, that he doesn't actually know what to do about it. 
No, that's a fair point. Yeah, it might be like, the kind of shit. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, that very. In fact, you probably got something on the nail there because when he goes into the time engine at the end and he's looking around, he's like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. You know, she's always looked after me, referring to the TARDIS, and I, I don't actually know what to do. And then uh, he spots Deus Ex written across Clara's hand and he's like, problem solved. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the Van Bagelen brothers, then. Um, well, Clara first, actually, super quick. There's not really much we can say about her in this story. She's just. Matt. You don't like Clara in Series 7, do you? No. No. I, I, is it a fair thing to say? I don't think many people do. I do. Do you? Do you prefer, yeah, do you prefer do. her in Series 7 to Series oh, 8? I had such high hopes for you, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think she's great in Series 7. It's by Series 8 after the 50th. where, uh-huh. I, For me, anyway, her, her time started to be a bit outwelcomed. Oh yeah, she definitely stayed stayed around for quite a while, but yeah, I don't I know. She's been new doctor, new companion, but anyway. But oh. series seven, I, yeah, I, I I really like her her story. I think it's interesting. Um, she's really well acted. Um, so, what do you yeah, think so? Complaints. Oh wow, I think she's yeah. really stilted in some of her scenes in this one, especially when she goes up to that door and she's like, "Hmm, flashing red light could be a bad thing, could be a good thing." I've got a niche in my ass. Is that a fly? I'm just verbalising everything I'm thinking. I'm like, just press the fucking button. We don't need to hear everything you're thinking. And you don't need to act it all. I mean, I'm not criticising Jenna Coleman. It's the scripting here. It's totally the scripting. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, like I said, from, from my point of view as well, you know, she adapts and, you know, she's a very capable actress and just much, I much prefer Clara and what she does on screen in the second half of her run well, as, as a companion. But I think, I think here, you know, apart from occasional flirting and uh, berating the Doctor. I don't think she adds much in, and even the berating just is more along the lines of... I don't This is the problem. I can't really tell you what she did. She no. falls almost very much into the same category as the Van Balen brothers to me for this episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, it, again, she, she's got her own arc going on, and that every story she's in pretty much, apart from the, probably the Crimson Horror, every story she's in pretty much heavily leans on her private arc. You know, I, I'm just thinking about this, and I really wish Series Seven went Part B went down the route of encountering a different Clara Echo in every story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that would have been better. A bit silly. Oh, really? I I quite like the yeah, idea of that. I mean, I mean, this is what uh, second third no, it'd be the third version of Clara, and I think just any more would have been a bit like ugh. Like, we know she's going to die again and it's going to be the Doctor's fault. So he would have got really quite tiresome after a while. Mm. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. We, I, I've just totally noticed, sorry, we're going to have to move on because I've just totally noticed the, uh, the time on this. We spent so much time talking about the TARDIS. But you, you're both making really valid points. Um, I do like the idea, though, of, of exploring different Claras. But yeah, I get the point of it's tiring just to see Clara dying time and time again. Um, would it be nice to see the interesting impact on the Doctor, though, if that was the case? You know, he constantly loses her every time. Um, the Van Balen brothers, just super quickly. Uh, we, we've kind Ooh, of expressed. Summarize these. I can summarize these. Boo. Yeah, they were pretty pointless, <laughs> weren't they? No, I quite liked them actually. Go. Uh, I think just to kind of like talk about the actors and stuff. Ashley Walters, who plays the head of the family, the, I think he's like the middle brother. Brilliant actor. He's great in this, and he does really well. The other two can't yeah. act for fucking shit. I don't know who they were, but they were they were so. Especially the oldest brother. He was so stilted. One hundred percent agree. Um, I don't know what's going on with the other two, but they're. 
they didn't feel very believable. Whereas, no. like I said, again, the guy's running the, the ship of the time anyway. Yeah. He's at least putting passion and emotion. He's not really working with much, but he's doing what he can with it. Yeah, totally. Do you know what? I don't know if you guys have ever seen Ashley Walters and anything else, but I'm a big fan of his. I've seen him in loads of stuff like Top Boy and whatnot. This is totally out of his comfort zone, sci-fi. He's never done anything like this, and I don't think he has since, to be honest. So watching him do something gritty like Top Boy, I don't know if you've seen him in that side, and then coming to... Doctor Who, and then he did actually really well in this. I think it just goes to show that he's you know very versatile actor. Um, I mean, the guy that plays the nasty bastard, the the nasty brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's been a good one. He's been in quite a few few things before. Yeah, fair enough. We're all in agreement. Then they were apart from him, they're all a bit stilted. Um, at the time, zombies. I mean, I've got a note here saying a bloody stupid conceit. I really don't like them. I actually think they are. They are. I think I do think they were quite creepy on retrospect. Um, I just don't think that like the the and again the cause of them the concept of them is quite clever but <laughs> the delivery of it was a little bit messy um, in my head. It felt like they were paradoxical and that doesn't kind of like lead well to clever sci-fi. It just feels like it's it, it's the it's that thing of magic Doctor Who rather than clever sci-fi Doctor Who. If that makes sense. Which I, I, I enjoyed really. them more when they were lurking in the background. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Apart from that weird kind of run down with them at the end when they, they morph together finally. They're well overexposed towards the end and that just yeah. took in away away any creepiness at all. Yeah, me. totally, totally, totally. Um okay. In terms of production values then, I think this is pretty much apart from the, the overuse of corridor sets, I think this is quite a pretty episode. Um especially in the CG department, when when CG is shown and we get to see some pretty Chipping cool stuff. Harmony, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the yeah, the Eye of Harmony and the spaceship. Yeah, the Van Baden Brothers ship is beautifully done. It just whole magna grab. Yeah, and if you really if, nice. if you look at the design of the ship as well, like it's got these kind of like it's like a train. It's got like a scrap kind of cargo containers behind it. It's just beautiful. I absolutely love that and sort of stuff. Even a little bit, I quite enjoyed after the magna grab as well when um it the TARDIS is being passed by those mechanical arms into the interior. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, that whole sequence had a very um there's a there's a famous um. A comic uh, artist called Dave Gibbons who did all of the Doctor Who comic um, illustrations from the 70s and stuff uh, like Boop the Meep and stuff we've spoken about that with the 60th but he did all the illustrations and stuff like that and um, the, the the design of the ship and that whole sequence you're talking about Matt was very much it, I could almost see that panel for panel in an old Doctor Who comic strip quite easily and it, it was it was delivered really well um, just to say as well specifically with that scene I think this is my favourite ever scene in New Who where they crank up Firewoman by the Cure, and you get this whole kind of uh, you know eighties rock montage to to Firewoman playing as the TARDIS is being scooped. I mean, I'm a massive Cure fan. Anyway. Uh, Cure, not the Cure. Sorry, I'm not uh, listen, the Cult. Thank you. Yeah, um, by the Cult. Um, <laughs> I'll be a massive fan. Well, I'm not a massive fan, but I love their music. But either either way, it's beautiful to see something like that, and it was you know within within context. About it, oh, okay, go on. Well, they didn't play it loud enough. They didn't play it for long. <laughs> for long <laughs> they did play for a little bit, didn't they? Yeah. Well, just a little bit, but in the background, you've got a classic track like that. You really want to use it. Yeah, pretty much. But having said that, doing it at the beginning and the end was pretty smart. So I like yeah. It. yeah, very true. Very, very true. Um, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Right. Well, how many Van Balen brothers out of 10? I mean, I'll, I'll go first since I picked this week's. It was actually originally going to be quite a high one, but now I think about it, I'm going to drop it all the way down to a six because it severely lacks potential. It's got potential, but it lacks imagination. Uh, Sai, what about you? Um, yeah, see, I, at the start of 
talking about this, I would have said seven, but thinking about its flaws and how much potential it actually had, I think I'd probably go down to about six as well. Yeah. Uh, Cook? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, six. Six? Wow. Okay, well, we know where it's going, but Matt, just for shits and giggles. Well, no, I was going to stay with seven, I'm afraid. Okay, right. So we're going to give uh, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS uh, six Van Balens out of ten on that one, um, just by the uh, Democratic vote. But but yeah, there we it's have it. Three more Van Balens than we need. Indeed, very much so. <laughs> double, double the trouble. Well, yeah, there we go then. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, give us a like and subscribe on our Twitter and Facebook channels. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing something tailoring towards the Centenary special, which is obviously going to be out towards October. So we're going to start reviewing things like Ace and Tiger and doing a retrospective on uh, Whitaker's era um, looking at Flux and hopefully that'll tie us up to some point when the centenary rolls out uh, but until next time that's goodbye from us